Amen. I'm excited. I believe there is a word from the Lord. Amen. And it's coming this morning from 1 Samuel chapter number 15. So I would that you would grab your Bibles and turn with me uh, to 1 Samuel chapter number 15, verse number 34 and 35. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified version of Scripture. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter number 15, verse number 34 uh, through 35. If you have it, do me a favor and shout, I got it. If you don't have it, just say, preacher, hold up, hold up. Amen. If you don't have it, it's located on the screens to my right and my left. Amen. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 34, 35 from the Amplified Version. It reads like this. It says, and then Samuel went to Ramah, but Samuel, but Saul rather, went up into his house in Gebeah of Saul. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Though Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. The King James Version says, and the Lord regretted making Saul king over Israel. Would you bow your heads for a word of prayer? Gracious God, our eternal Father, it's once more and again that we, your humble servants, come before your holy and your righteous name. God, before we ask you for anything, we want to take the moment to thank you for everything. We thank you for being good. We thank you for being kind. And now, God, we thank you for being merciful. Now I pray that you would indeed hide me behind the shadows of your cross, that the people may only hear, see, and know you in me. I pray now that you would help me preach to the end, that sinners are saved, lives are changed, and the body of Christ is edified. Now, God, we pray for two things, a word that is precise and right in the name of Jesus. Let the people of God say amen. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of our God. Amen. I have uh, been sent on an assignment this morning. Amen. To minister to the young people. Amen. So I'm going to have a conversation with them that all of you are invited in on. Amen. For the time that's been allotted in mind to share, I would like to preach from the subject theme, rejection is real. Uh, rejection is real. God has had me in a peculiar season. And I'll be honest enough to admit that I have wrestled for weeks now with the thought of coming to share with this great church. But I do believe that there is a word for this generation that God is planting in the lives of his people. And as I look around at the current state of the world, I find that we are living in a generation of people who are literally dying to be accepted. Everywhere we look, we see people who are willing to risk self-esteem and self-preservation and sensible prioritization in order to be accepted socially, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. In a day and time in which people uh, will literally embarrass themselves for social claim and fame in a time in which people measure their self-worth and intrinsic value based on the opinion of social likes and reactions. When people will do anything to be accepted by people who may never truly know who they are. It seems as if many in this generation have lost their sense of self-preservation and self-worth and we honestly seem to value stuff that doesn't really matter. It seems like we have lost 
the sense of drive and motivation to do great things in reality because as long as I can portray a lifestyle socially, many aren't motivated to actually obtain it physically. People who uh, will post statements and repost scriptures on social sites full of wisdom to gain social status but are disconnected from the very God that they're posting about. A time where the church is experiencing a wave of theological theory and social spirituality where the extent of one's relationship with God is no greater than what you see in public. I'm talking about a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Can I be real this morning? In a day where we are more concerned sometimes with what we look like on Sunday rather than our daily souls Monday through Saturday, this generation is dying to be accepted. And the sad reality is that I have discovered that many of the people whose acceptance we are seeking are the same ones who are chasing lifestyles that they don't have. Because everybody ain't who they supposed to be. Can I say it again? So we have dysfunctional and obscured views and goals in this generation because we seek things that rarely exist and we believe that we can achieve monumental success without putting in monumental work and we want acceptance from people who have nothing to give you and nowhere to take you. We model ourselves after relationship goals that I said this morning are no more than 15 seconds of filtered nothingness and we've lost foundation and principle in a day in which young people are literally killing themselves because they are not accepted. It has brought me church of the living God to a very puzzling question and that is who are we really living for? I have realized that we are living in a culture where too many people are okay with giving God a facade of a relationship and striving for people to approve who they are. But don't you know that when you've already been ordained by God, you don't need the approval of people. We have gotten to a place, y'all, where we give God less and we give people more. And we hurt and cry over rejection from people who decide that we aren't good enough for them. We hurt when people we expected to accept us reject us. But the question I want to raise this morning is what do you do when you realize that you've been rejected by God? <laughs> Can I talk real this morning? Because in the text today, the Lord makes clear to Samuel that he regretted making Saul king, which tells us that God himself wished he had not made that decision to make Saul king over Israel. Yet Saul remained king after it is told to us that the Lord regretted it, which indicates to us that it is possible to have position and still be unacceptable. I'm, I'm coming to talk to a generation today. Uh, what do you do when you realize that you've been preaching fired and 
and you're singing and you're fired and you're shouting and you're fired and you're serving and you're fired, you're churching and you're fired because God is not pleased with what you're bringing to the table, meaning you hold status in public, but you have no weight in private because what you do is displeasing to God. And here at the point of our text, we find a very exemplary personification of this very principle that it is possible to be received by people yet rejected by God. Understand now that Saul is king because in Samuel's old age, the people begged for a king and God allowed it because of the request of the people, but God did not approve it because of the position of Saul's character. In other words, Samuel was the king of Israel. Samuel gets old, the people want to be led, so they pleaded with him to seek the Lord and find a king. He found this man by the name of Saul who was able, but his character was unacceptable. Don't you know that there are some places that your anointing can take you where your ability and your character cannot keep you. In other words, there are times in life where your anointing will take you to places that your individual issues will not allow you to stay. And it is a shame, people of God, when we reach levels because of our ability, but we lose favor because of our proclivities. Am I talking to anybody in the building? It's a sad reality that we are living in a generation that has anointing but our foundation is gone because our minds are set on the wrong thing but Saul he's serving but the Lord has rejected him for the Bible says that Samuel gave Saul his predecessor instructions from the Lord in verse 2 he says he is going to bring his wrath upon the Amalekites. The Amalekites were the enemy of Israel because of what they did to Israel when God brought them out of Egypt so the Lord is displeased with them. He tells Samuel to go to Saul and to totally destroy everyone from their women to their children. This is Old Testament God here. And everything that belongs to them, God is specific in his instructions to Samuel. He says, tell Saul to spare nothing and nobody. And so Saul summons the foot soldiers, 2010, 210,000 and all rather, and they go to ambush their army. But when we drop down to verse 35, the text tells us that the Lord regretted that he made Saul king. In other words, God literally repented of his own decision he was disappointed with his choosing and so this morning I've come to talk to this generation because I want to explore what it is that Saul did to make God reject him in this way and even more I want to challenge our church today on how we can avoid becoming rejected as Christians it's all right here in the text for in the text we find that God gave Samuel instructions and Samuel gave them to Saul. He tells him, go and totally destroy all of the Amalekites. Take nothing for yourself. But it's what Saul does that causes him to be rejected by God. Do I have a praying church here? God says destroy everything and everyone. But the Bible tells us in verse 8 that Saul took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. Here's the first hang up that caused God to reject him and he kept he literally 
kept in his possession what God told him to destroy. Why now would Saul deem it necessary to keep the king alive? Why would Saul keep the king of the very nation that God told him to destroy? Is it that Saul wanted the king to marvel daily at what he had done? Was it Saul's pride? At the end of the day, Saul made Agag a keepsake of what God commanded him to destroy. And for some of us, the issue that we are experiencing in this generation is that we are holding on to things that God told us to destroy. Would you help me as I preach my sermon? Look at your neighbor and tell a neighbor, if God tells you to cut it off, you gotta cut it off, y'all. We oftentimes find ourselves holding on to remnants of things that God told us to get out of, things that God told us to cut completely off. Have you ever had that one thing that God told you to get rid of, that friendship, that God told you to walk away from, that relationship, that God told you was over that issue, that God told you to let go of, and for whatever reason, you were holding on to trophies and reminders you were holding on to photos and text messages and songs and you were holding on to memories I'm talking about holding on to keepsakes of what God has told us to rid ourselves of but this is why you cannot keep remnants because if you pay attention to the text God told Saul to destroy everything and Saul decided that he was going to keep the king alive keeping the king alive y'all insinuates that Saul kept the head of life and if you hold on to the head of anything you are literally holding on to the power of that thing in other words God told Saul to destroy the Amalekites and Saul decided to hold on to the head of the nation can I tell you something that if you hold on to the power of your issue your issue has the ability to come back and overpower you that's why when God gives you the instructions to let something go to cut it off you gotta cut it off at the head you can't hold on to remnants and trophies you can't hold on to memories you can't hold on to anything but when God says cut it off you gotta cut it completely off you ought to learn how to stop playing with fire in this season that's how you get caught up doing stuff you ain't got no business doing when God says let it go you got to let it all go I come to tell this generation that this is not the time for us to be playing around but if God gives us instructions we got to follow the instructions of God and this time I want to challenge you to cut it off at the head don't sit there and try to go one step at a time you got to go cold turkey you got to cut it all the way off would you touch somebody beside you and tell a neighbor this time I'm cutting it off at the I'm not playing with it anymore. I'm not holding on to it anymore. I'm not messing around with it anymore. But I'm cutting it off at the... I'm cutting it off at the head. Look at somebody beside you and tell a neighbor you need to cut it. You need to cut it. You need to cut it. It costs you too much. You need to cut it. If that thing weighs too much. You need to cut it. It's going to make you mess around and slip back. You need to cut it. It's going to keep you from getting away. You're supposed to be. You need to cut it. It's holding you back from your purpose. You need to cut it. It's holding you back from destiny. You need to cut it off at the cut it off at the head you gotta cut it at the head
dead soul. Why did you keep the king alive when God told you to destroy it? But listen, y'all, not only did God reject him because he was keeping residue of what should have been cut off, but God rejected him because he disobeyed God's complete instructions and did what he felt was right in his own eyes. God have mercy understand now that you cannot expect to be in God's favor and you are disobeying God's instruction I know we don't want to hear this kind of preaching but can I be real with you you cannot expect to be in God's favor if you don't want to follow God's instruction Saul tries to reason with his ways for the Bible says in verse 15 that when Samuel asked him why did you hold on to the king and the best cattle why did you keep the things that God told you to destroy he responded I have bought the best of everything because I want to offer it to the Lord as sacrifice we all understand that sacrifice in Old Testament times is a form of worship but can I tell you that you cannot bring God worship that he is not pleased with and I've come to tell this generation that we have been walking a dangerous line bringing God things that we felt were right in our own eyes but that's why the writer came back and penned it later who shall ascend into the hills of our God he who has clean hands and a pure heart you can't bring God your mess in church and expect him to honor it this is the season and the time where we gotta stop bringing God filthy worship but we gotta bring him pure in heart pure in mind pure in spirit you can't bring God what he told you to destroy it won't work like that God is looking for real worship where are the true worshipers in this season he's looking for real he's looking for real he's not looking for your form of worship he wants your true worship he's not looking for a form of godliness he wants your true worship where are the worshipers in here <laughs> yeah we gotta stop bringing God what looks right in our own eyes because the truth of the matter is that partial obedience is still disobedience and too many of us we try to bargain with God we try to reason with God God if you do this I'll do that it does not work like that when you do the will of God you gotta follow his instructions touch your neighbor and say neighbor I gotta follow the complete instructions God wants complete obedience and I've come to tell this generation that this is the time where we gotta stop teeter-tottering in our Christianity but if we're going to do what God called us to do if we are going to be about our father's business we gotta do it this time with our whole heart do I have anybody in the building this morning that says this time I want to do it right I don't want to play around with God I don't want to mess around with God but I got to give him my complete obedience in other words I don't want to forfeit my favor so God whatever you ask me to do I made up in my mind that I'll do it at any cost if I gotta cry sometimes I'm willing to cry because I want the favor of God if I gotta shout sometimes I'm willing to do it because I want the favor of God if I gotta cut my very best friend I don't mind 
rejected by God because he was holding on to things that God told him to destroy and then he partially obeyed God but finally he had an inability to give God a complete yes for the Bible says that he did what he felt was right in his own eyes but can I tell you something that when you give your all to God you got to surrender everything and when you surrender everything that means you're willing to follow God's will and follow God's way I remember being a child in my little Baptist church in East Baltimore and I did not understand what it meant to follow God's will and God's way I thought that if I was doing his will I certainly had to be in the way but Saul shows us that at the end of the text they destroyed the king of the Amalekites in other words he ended up doing God's will but he didn't do it God's way and I've come to tell this generation that we don't have to be like Saul we gotta do it God's will and we gotta do it God's way I don't want to veer off from the path I don't want to do what's right in my own eyes but I want to surrender all to God because I want God to be pleased with who I am and can I tell you something that I come with good news today because the reality is that we've all been like so we've all been in Saul's shoes we've all done something that should have caused God to cut us off we've all been in the place where we disobeyed the will of God we've all been in the place where we have done something against God for the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of his glory in other words there are no perfect people but this morning I came all the way from the East Coast to tell West Angeles Cathedral that the good news this morning, the gospel this morning is that we serve a God who saw what we needed before we had a chance to even mess up because God was so wise that he sent us an answer before we had an issue. God was so wise that he sent us a solution before we had a problem. In other words, I've come this morning to talk to every person in this building and tell you that no matter how many times you found yourself in Saul's shoes, the good news is that one day God sent a son born of a woman who was born to die and after 33 years of ministry on the earth he went there in the garden of Gethsemane and the Roman soldiers they came and interrupted him they took him before Pilate on trumped up charges and they accused him all things that he did not that he did not do so they whipped him all night long they whipped him all night long then they walked him up a hill known as Golgotha he got up there and they drove nails in his hands and feet then they hung him high you know the story they stretched him wide he hung his head 
Somebody ought to be shouting by now. Because when I think about what I used to be, when I think about some of the stuff that I still do, y'all can sit here and act like y'all been saved all y'all life. But there were times when I slip up and can I tell you that if it was not for the grace and mercy of Jesus, Oh, mama, if it was not for the blood, I don't know what corner I'd be on. I don't know what bullet had my name on it. I don't know what accident would have taken me out. I don't know what disease had my name on it. I don't know. What cemetery hold my tombstone in it? I don't know what would have happened to me because the truth of the matter is there were times when I've been like Saul. But see, this is the real victory. This is a real victory. I was like Saul. But this morning, I'm still accepted in the presence of God. See? God saw what Saul did and regretted his decision. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, God will never reject me. He, he will never let me down. He will never stop loving me. This morning, all I've come to tell you is there is nothing you can do to outsend the power of the cross. We don't want to be like Saul, walking around, living rejected, serving rejected, preaching rejected ushering rejected, singing rejected. We don't want to be like Saul, doing what's right in our own eyes. But we want to be vessels that are holy and acceptable unto God. We don't want to walk around like Saul because the truth of the matter is rejection is real. <laughs> but this morning I'm glad to know that despite the things that I've done in my life, Despite the times where I slipped up, despite the times where it wasn't a slip up, I did it on purpose. Amen. Don't think because we stand behind this desk, we don't have our moments. But despite the times where I messed up, that I'm still wanted by God that he's still calling my name, that he still loves me enough to keep me in his loving arms of protection.
that the blood of Jesus is still covering and keeping and saving and protecting and delivering and healing and watching and cleansing and making whole and making new. I thank God for Jesus this morning. Woo. I said I thank God for Jesus this morning. So this morning I've come to challenge a generation. We are the ones that got to get it right, y'all. Don't follow the fad. We can't play with this thing. We got to mean this thing with our whole hearts. This morning, if you're here and you say, I find myself living like Saul, giving God partial obedience, doing what's right in my own eyes. And this morning, I just want to get back in right fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ because I recognize that it's only in him that I live, move, and have my very being. If you're here this morning, if you're here this morning and you need to accept the Lord Jesus into your heart, I would that you would make your way out of your seats and down to this the Lord's altar, the ministers, the elders, the leaders, they, they are standing. This morning, I want you to be honest with yourself about yourself. Don't lie to you. And certainly don't lie to God. But if you find yourself in a place where you've been living rejected, giving God what you felt like giving God, clap your hands, they're coming. I want you to make the choice today to be real with you. Let me tell you something. We, 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 don't, we don't look for perfect people in church. We look for people who want to be better. So this morning, if you're here and you say, I want to be better, I want to be better, I want to be better, I want you to get out of your seat and make your way to this, the Lord's altar. I want to be better. I want to be better. You know why? Because Jesus can make it better. He can make you better. He can fix it. He can change you. He can make you new. He can clean you. He can wash you. He can make you whole. There's no issue that's too great. There's no problem that's too big. No alcoholism, no drug habit, no sexual immorality. There is nothing you can do that can make God stop loving you. Come on, where are those who say, I want to be better? I want to be better. I don't want to live rejected by God. I want to live in the favor of God. I want to walk in his love and his grace and his mercy. I want to know that God is with me. I want to feel the power of God in my life. Where are you? Where are you this morning? In the balcony? On the lower level, where are you? Come on, come on. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, this morning you can make a choice that you want to be better, that you want to be better. Come on, clap your hands, they're still coming, come on. I want to be better. God, make me better. Make me new, make me over. God, make me over again. There's nothing too hard for him. There's nothing too hard for him. There is nothing that's too hard for him. God, I don't want to live like Saul. But today I acknowledge that I need your presence. I need your grace. Would you do me a favor? Would you look at at least two people who you're standing or seated beside and just ask them, neighbor, are you saved and are you sure? Come on. Really ask them. Wait for an answer. You might have been sitting next to them for the last 15 years. But you ask them anyhow. You never know. You never know. You never know. Come on. Ask them, neighbor, are you saved? Are you sure? Come on. If they say no, tell them this is your moment. Don't miss it. I'll walk with you. 
I'll walk with you. I'll walk with you. Wherever you are, wherever you are, wherever you are, wherever you are. Come on, they're still coming. They're still coming. Come on, clap your hands. Clap your hands. For souls saved. Clap your hands for lives changed. Hallelujah. Now, for those of you who are here and you're saved and you know you're saved and you're glad you're saved, would you stretch your hands this way? Not just towards those souls that have come, but towards these young people. If you're sitting next to a young person, put your hand on their shoulder. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for everything that our eyes have seen, our ears have heard. We thank you this morning that the power of your word has penetrated the hearts of your people. Now, God, I pray that you would minister to every person who is here, Lord God. Help us, oh God, to acknowledge who we are. But even more, help us to acknowledge who we shall be in you. God, search us. And if you find anything that's not like you, this morning our prayer is that you would take it away. God, now I pray for this generation of young people. I pray right now, God, that you would continue to lead us into a place where we are not living and we're rejected, God. But help us, oh Lord, to acknowledge our faults and our failures that we may give you all of us, that we may be whole in you, that we may walk up right before you, Lord, that we may live a life that will cause others to see Christ in us at all times. We thank you now for the power of your word. And we believe and declare by faith that everything we have need of, you're working it out. That somewhere between the asking and the amen, there will be an answer. We declare by faith that it is done. It is so. It is well. In Jesus' name, put your blessed hands together all over the sanctuary and give God praise. 